Hello and welcome to episode three of the Rugby Hub podcast with me, your host, Luke Edwards. This week joining me is Lee Payne and Mark Henthorne of Lightwater Rugby Club in Surrey. Now, Lightwater Rugby Club only run one side and they currently ply their trade in the Surrey Merit Leagues alongside local second teams and third teams. During this podcast, we discuss a number of things around player recruitment, how much of a social club they are, a little bit about their history and why they're at the place they are at the moment and really what's their ambition moving forward. Uh, alongside just some general rugby chit chat and some rules and regs that are currently in place that we all have opinions about, uh, it makes for an interesting listen. So please take a listen and enjoy. Hello, welcome to episode three of the Rugby Hub podcast. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Henthorne, Social Secretary from Lightwater Rugby Club, and Lee Payne, their coach and treasurer. Welcome, guys. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Okay, um, right, Lee, I'll start with you. Um, could you just sort of give us a, li- a small little history, a little bit of background about the club um, and sort of where you're at at the moment? Yeah, of course. Um, so, Lightwater... Um, uh, test my memory, I think started in 1975 with a guy called Doug Driver. Um, he put an advert in a paper to see if anyone fancied playing a bit of rugby, um, got a bit of success, and, and the club started from there. Um, um, playing in the Surrey Leagues, um, uh, I started, I think, about late 90s, about 97 or 98. Um, and when I first started, we'd, we'd won the league. So we'd won the equivalent of Surrey 4 um, today. I think it might have been Surrey 5 then and pro- uh, progressed to Surrey 3, which is a great achievement for a very small club. Um, like Cubs, what happens? Uh, unfortunately, the coach left. We lost a couple of the key players and we went from playing and winning a lot of games to losing a lot of games, unfortunately, um, quite heavy. Um, that happened for a number of years and um, we tolerated it and drank our sorrows more often than not. Um, but it got to a point where we had to decide what we wanted to do. Um, uh, as you may be aware, Luke, we're close to some very big clubs, um, very successful clubs. So trying to get and recruit players was very, very challenging. Have been for a while. So a few of us went to a small little pub in Bagshot and decided that we needed to do something different or we called it a day. And we all unanimously decided we were going to do something different. And the new light water identity and brand of what we wanted to do, um, how we wanted to play started from there. Um, so uh, one of the big things we did was we came out of the Surrey Leagues um, just because it was quite challenging. There's a couple of things that didn't work for us as a club. Um, and we moved into the merits, which was has been very successful for us. Um, and the other thing we did, Luke, is we, we put more of an emphasis, and this has taken a lot longer, um, on the social side of the game and, and trying to tie it in with what the Lightwater brand is and what we're trying to do. Um, and then finally, um, from my point of view, um, I've been coaching about 15 years there. Um, I'm a level two coach. I've been about 10 years, but um, we wanted to try and bring in something where everyone got um, some game time. They enjoyed the coaching and it was a bit of fun. Um, and that sort of transferred onto the pitch and, where we are today, um, the, the club sort of mantra, or my coaching mantra, is we win more than we lose. We do that. Um, we have some really good wins. We have some very close wins. And occasionally, we do get our backside uh, kicked as well, um, like most clubs. Well, it's like everyone, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you like have your... <laughs> exactly. But um, the club at the moment is probably the, the, the best place, all things considered, since I've been there. Okay, nice. That's a nice, nice little snapshot. Okay, so you um, you talk about obviously like the the social side. You're very much a, a socially focused club at the moment. Um, Mark, what? How does your role as sort of social secretary? What do you sort of try and have an input with at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I I I started playing for the club about eleven years ago. It was for me to get back into rugby. To be honest, if you not play at the highest level, but to get back into the sport and meet a lot of new people, and that's exactly what it did for me. Um, at that stage, there was a there was a great social aspect with the club, um, and then about 
for God, four or five years ago, I was brought on a social sec. And a big part of what we did, I think we've done well, and we still do well now to recruit players, is through our social and aspect play. And so Lee talks about how we try to get new players involved. And then as soon as they're involved, they, they come to a social. I think it's been such a big part of our club um, to recruit new players that maybe are looking for that new aspect, to meet new people, play a new sport, and look at other social functions that they can do. Um, so, yeah, it was really something I, I took on and thought, right, I've really got to put a lot. It's, it's a bit of a thankless task. Lee knows about it as well. You're trying, <laughs> trying to organise 20 people to go to the bar. You'd think sometimes it'd be easier, but it's with any club, it's 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 one of the biggest parts that we do, isn't it, really? To be honest with you, we play eight minutes of rugby every weekend, which we love, but we also just want to have fun with our mates. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big – it's been a big part of our club and will always be. Um, and, yeah, we've had some – good and different socials over the years you could say yeah i was gonna say it's it's one of them things finding that balance isn't it like you if you obviously you're right at the top you're obviously going to be looking at a playing aspect and going look the, the playing side needs to be the best that it can possibly be and maybe the mm -hmm. social side is, is there but probably isn't as good as it possibly can be but then you go flip side obviously your position at the moment obviously the social side is obviously the emphasis, but then you're obviously going, actually, we want to play and we want to have the enjoyment from playing, but we want to get the most out of the social side. And I do yeah. think at the moment there are a number of clubs that can learn from that. Um, no, I think not going on my experience, but from friends' experience, and you guys are probably the same. You've got friends that have gone to other clubs and not necessarily enjoyed it. They might have enjoyed the rugby, but they mm. have enjoyed the social side because A, it's either non-existent or B, it's not necessarily geared up for you know developing that side that side of the game. Yeah. Um, so so for me, just to sort of say this, uh, I think that developing the social side is a key aspect of any rugby club, um, no matter what level I think you are. I don't know whether you guys would agree with that. Uh, go, on, Mark. You first. Yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. To be honest with you. You, 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 like you say, you go down two avenues, don't you? You've got the one where you're playing really high level of rugby. Um, the social aspect's not really there. It's a quick pint afterwards, then you're all driving home. Um, or you've got the the lower level of social rugby, which is still around, that real pub team where you're never going to win at all. You're just getting pissed every week. And I must admit, maybe when I started, that's a bit what we were like. About 11 years ago, we were, every week, we'd lose by some points and get drunk. But whereas now we're in that middle ground, social aspect is a, is a massive part of what we do. Um, but also, we're very competitive on the pitch. I mean, yeah. we've changed over the past few years. And twofold and the games that we used to just walk away and maybe we lost by 40 points we just don't anymore we just yeah. really don't have that many games like that anymore and that's where we've changed an awful lot but yeah the social aspect i think it's just a key part of rugby isn't it really it's, yeah. yeah absolutely I don't agree. and we've so for example we have a couple of players who socialize with us they have a drink with us they play a number of games but they go off and play the highest level that they can and they've said yeah. when i've played the highest level that i can I'm coming back here and i don't think you can have a bigger testament to the type of club ethos and uh family that you're creating when you let you say look that's fine you come and play whenever you like you go and do whatever you like but at the end of the day you come here you come to our virtual quiz on a friday have a drink have a laugh and 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 that's it and we look forward to seeing you when you're older when you're broken when you can't be bothered and come and play <laughs> again. um and that's what we want to that's the type of club we are um, likewise We've had people who have played for other clubs and never had any game time whatsoever for months. And they come and play for us and they're getting half a game every game uh, or when they're available. Um, and and our churn rate of people leaving is really, really low. And I would challenge most, any a lot of clubs, that their churn rate of players leaving is better than ours. You know, yeah. for, you know people obviously get injured and work, whatever, but I, people don't leave light water because they're not enjoying it. There's usually a valid reason why they're enjoying it. Um, yeah. And following on to the, the on the pitch, um, uh, I don't always uh, well, I, I don't go to a lot of Saturdays. A bit of a, a different coach, if I'm honest, because uh, because of work and so forth. But the guys tell me what we need to work on the Wednesday, and then that's what we work on. But my my KPI for the players, if we can have one at the level we play at, is I don't want to concede more than 15 points. I don't yeah. care how many we score. I want fifteen. I want to see less than fifteen points. Do you and, train once a week? Yes, once a week. Yeah. Okay. So, previous, were you training two nights a week? 
We used to many moons ago, yeah, but because many of numbers, we changed it. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, it was just when I sort of stopped. I think it was when I started, we did two nights and we just didn't have that many strong numbers. And we just decided, didn't we go to one night and you'll have a let's let's have one session where we have 20 guys, solid team that are playing on a Saturday to having two sessions where you're going to have five on one, 10 on another. It doesn't, I know that's how the old traditional ways of rugby is train on a Tuesday and Thursday, but we've always done it. Yeah. Well, for about 13 years now for just on a Wednesday and it's worked for us. That's, that's, it, I mean, that's Sorry, Luke, go on, mate. Sorry. That's something that um, obviously I brought in in the episode two I brought up with Richie. And I said, like, you know, the higher up you go, they they have to train, you know, Tuesday, Thursdays to get, you know, your team yeah. runs in and your skill development yeah. and everything. But the lower leagues, asking people to try and train two nights a week when a lot of people are playing rugby just for fun, for social, yeah. the social, and asking them to, to go out and train on a Tuesday, train on a Thursday, get, get in from work, go straight back out. Some of them have got family commitments. And you're right, you know, on a Tuesday, and I, I'll take this from, from Cranley's point of view, is that, you know, the deepest, darkest Decembers and Novembers and Januaries and whatever it might be, on a Tuesday night, you get six, seven, maybe eight people max. And then on them eight people, sometimes can't train on the Thursday. That's why they're there on the Tuesday. So then on a Thursday, you try and do a team run through and you've got 10 players that are playing on your Saturday. So you can't, you just can't do anything. Yeah. So I think I completely agree for a lot of clubs need to look at that and go down to, to one day a week um, training. And I think like from what you've said, it's working for you guys. So kudos to that. Yeah. And I think as well to add to that, uh, Luke, is um we we don't train um for who we're playing against on a saturday simply because we don't the team can change we could play we could play cranley twos for example we play cranley yeah. twos have really good games at cranley twos um and we could play a completely different team week after week because different players um and um you may bring them may bring some players in to put 15 players in which is completely fine because that's what happens in america we may have to do the same so if you do your training specifically for the 15 who are going to start um, on the basis of the team you played before in our level, it's, it's, it's false. It's just not, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, and you've got, if you've got 25 people playing or training and you're focusing on those 15, those other 10, what they're going to do, they're probably just going to defend and be cannon fodder. Oh, yeah. So um, we don't do that. We, we, our training is, is solely player development, uh, completely hundred percent, players being better um it's all games very little contact everyone gets involved a bit of chaos a bit of confusion um and um i think that's been in, in, incremental sorry instrumental in getting more players coming along because it, again we want to train hard we train bloody hard and we have a bit of fun and you know we we all know when we've had enough and it's time to have a beer and we'll stop and it might be at half eight it might be bang on at nine o'clock but yeah. um for me, it is about players being better because if players are better, by the sheer nature of players being better, your team will be better. Yeah. Um, and I think um, there's a lot of emphasis about the structure and, and play through, but I think sometimes on the day, you just got to play what you see. And um, I think if you've got everyone playing the same sort of patterns and ways of doing things, you can adapt a lot better. Uh, but that's just my personal view. Yeah, okay. Right, so obviously you've you've given this bit of a picture about what light water is about. So obviously the, the the playing side and the social side. What what's the ambition? So you know you you talked about the past, say the past ten years. You you've become you were this club and now you're sort of this club. So you still like water, but in very different sort of identities. Really, mm. what's the ambition? What's moving forward? What's the ambition over the next sort of five five to ten years? Would you say? Mm. Um. Do you want to start, Mark? Do you have a thought on that? Yeah, I think it's always been one of those things where we've had, in even in that space, we talk about the good 10 years. We've had, um, we still had up and down seasons in those times, like any clubs have. Um, we've, we've had times when we thought the clubs would grow as well. Um, I think, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, I think we probably predicted there'd be a bigger growth after 2015, like a lot of clubs did, because we had a World Cup. Yeah. And other areas where we thought, and, and I'm trying to think back to it now, probably about 2013, 2014, we were looking at our best. And then again, at 16 and 17, we were looking very strong. But like we say, we've had quite a few injuries. I think it's building back that consistency 
And then the dream, I guess, from our side would definitely be one day to be go back to maybe two teams. It's a it's a big pipe dream. Um, it's something we did quite a few years ago before I started playing. Lee, I don't know if you were playing at the time, but we did use yeah, teams. Yeah. Um, but like many clubs, the second team then started to have, if you know, if there was injuries in the first team, they would be going up to the second, and that started to slowly dwindle away. And then it was okay, we can't really have a second team. Let's just focus on the, the first team. So that's always been one goal, I think, as a yeah. team to, to build that. But one thing is always just to maintain the club that you want to join that has that good, fun social aspect and to never lose that. So the ambition, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, is to never lose that reason of why you want to join Like Water. What Lee picked up on earlier, you jo people don't leave because they enjoy it so much. They never feel like it's a clicky club. They never feel like they're not getting enough game time. They're not invited for a beer or feel left out. Yeah. That's, for me, anyway, I think others would agree that's the main ambition from mm -hmm. as a club. But playing-wise, I think it would be one day to have two teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, our committee, Luke, is our players. Yeah. So our whole committee is, is, is the people who play and train every week. So um, I think that does work in our favour. But again, because we're quite small, that's, that's sort of forced upon us as well. Um, I agree with Mark. I think um, I don't think we sh look. We used to have kids, and we did have aspiration to do it again. I just we just don't have the infrastructure. We just don't have the size of uh, squads to be able to compete with very successful programs at Cambly and Jobham. Um, yeah, with, with the big with the big clubs around that starting up a, a youth section or mini section that must be very difficult with the pool that they have. You know, yeah, like, definitely. Sorry, uh, Cranley's got the same thing. Although they talked about, you know, how their their Colts and their their minis and the juniors, they've got lots of them. Yeah. It's still that big pull from your Guildfords, your Farnhams, your, your Dawkins, your Horshams around that area. So I can imagine that it's, that it's similar here. So trying to start something from scratch must be even even more difficult. Yeah, and the other challenge is, is even people in Lightwater don't even know there's a rugby club there. And if yeah. they do, you know where it is. I haven't got a clue. But you, you know where the leisure centre is, yeah. Or where else do you think it's going to be? It's, that's that's what the, some of the challenges we have. Um, so I, I, I totally agree, Mark. I think two teams would be an aspiration for us. Um, I think when we do have two teams and, and going regularly, then we can potentially go back into the Surrey leagues because of the current limitations on the, uh, the league structure. And we don't have to. We play some really good teams, um, very competitive games in the Merit Leagues where we can play more players and try things and, and do it a little bit differently. So, um, I, you know, it, it is it is second, I think, to the, the having that culture of the club, being fun, enjoyable, having a laugh, not taking us too seriously, because that is what we, why we're trying to be different and give people a different thing that they may not get in other clubs. That is why we do so well in the area. Like you say, you talk about Cambridge, Job and Farnham, these other big clubs. Yeah. The, that is why we do so well in, in the areas, because we have that people want to join us for the fun aspect as well as playing competitive rugby otherwise if we were trying to compete with those other clubs and i'll be honest i don't think we could compete with those other clubs with large clubhouses um, underage academies we we would just be competing it would be a battle that we wouldn't win so yeah i agree that's the other part we've got to focus on and 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 we've got some guys who want to get more involved in coaching and some of them i'm more than happy for them they do some of the Wednesday sessions, so I'll just get stuck in and get involved and help them out yeah, yeah, yeah. do different things. Um, I coach the, the um, Chobham under 15, 18 girls. I've only literally just started it before. Um, um, obviously, we had to stop doing everything, and that's because of good partnerships with the clubs. Um, uh, they're a brilliant bunch, and it's something that Chobham are trying to improve this year. Very yeah. Even early doors, very successful girls group, and it's nice to be part of that. Um, and, you know, we're not going to do that here, but hopefully that culture and what we're trying to do at Lightwater can complement what Chobham have and how they're trying to do things as well. Yeah. So it sounds, it sounds to me like as a club, you know what you are, you know what you want to set out to achieve. And, and there's sort of, obviously there's limitations behind it, but at the same time you go, actually, this is the goal. This is the path of how to get there. And, and we're not going to really deviate from that. And this is, this is sort of who we are. So I think, from a from a playing side, when players join, they know exactly what the club's about, and they know exactly where it's going. So yeah, I can I can wholeheartedly see that actually when you recruit players, the reason they don't leave and they stay is because of that. Mm. Yeah, 
because many yeah, we're very transparent. Yeah, there's we'll many clubs out there. There's many clubs out there that you know you you go and join, and you, you might join and go. Okay, so where are they going? And then from season to season, you might have five different players leave every year, and another six come in. And every year, it's like a sort of a, a revolving door of players in, players out, and you don't get that consistency, and they don't get the same sort of approach. So yeah, um, I think I think that's really good and really sort of really good of you to to have that sort of vision and, and stick with it. I think you a, t- a, um, a point you made earlier, Luke, about uh, consistency. I think clubs are struggling, even high levels, to have the same number of players every week. Um, I think life, we just don't seem, for whatever reason, having more as much time as we used to. Um, you talk to some of our old players, you know, every Saturday, religiously, after the game, you're in the pub getting battered, religiously. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Not even us, where we get a big focus of socials, you just don't see it very more. And maybe culturally, we've just changed as a society. Or we're just too busy and we just have our things that are more involved. So you have to adapt to that. And what we've tried to do, and I think other clubs obviously need to try and do that, or you stick with it and see how you get on. Um, I don't think it's going to get better. I think it's going to, it's still going to be challenging to get that consistency um, at any level. Yeah. Would you agree, Mark? Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it's, it's an odd one. You say about players turning up and going where are you guys going to be in a couple of years i think to be honest over the years if we've had some really really good players join us for for a stint they might only come to a couple of training sessions i know i shouldn't say this they probably come to a couple of training sessions go okay this is not for me and then they don't come again and that's absolutely fine to be honest they're they're, they're, they need something a bit more competitive that's fine we're not gonna we're not gonna be winning every league we're not gonna be getting promoted every season but I think once you come and train, you tend to get an idea straight away of where we are, what we are, and just the way we are with each other as well. There's that camaraderie yeah. of how we play. We're, we play competitive rugby, but we have a laugh as well. So you don't don't take yourselves too seriously. No, but I'm uh, don't take yourself too seriously. But then I, I, I'm always conscious when I tell my friends out of rugby about that. They're like, "Oh, so you're a little pub team that go round and." just have a laugh i'm like well no because when you're actually on the pitch we do play very competitive high yeah, absolutely we're not like like lee said the past few seasons we don't lose games often by over 15 points if we do we've really had a bad day or the team have just been too much better than us yeah. all the guys still want to go out on a saturday and play competitive rugby and go out there and uh take it seriously oh, that's good that's good okay right um moving on so you've you sort of explained that you guys aren't in sort of the, the first team structure of the leagues and you, you're playing in the Surrey Merit Leagues, uh, Reserve Leagues. Um, so with, with that, do you think that where you're at is the right place for you at the moment? Do you think that the Surrey Leagues have got the right structure in place for you or do you think it could be possibly improved um, or do you think it's absolutely bang on right for you at the moment? Um, I think um, we could definitely compete now. I think Lightwater generally is a forwards team. We always got a, a big pack, a very competitive pack. We have struggled in the past with backs. Last couple of years, we've got a lot more backs, um, a lot more um, options, which has been really good. So if we, you know, we, we compete with pretty much all the Surrey four teams, I think, um, and probably a number of Surrey three teams, speaking to other people who um, uh, have been involved in them as well, which is great. Um, the biggest stumbling block for me with the Surrey leagues is three subs, um, and the, and the, and the, and, the, and their number of subs um, in other areas as well. I don't know how many they have, but um, and I believe, correct from wrong, Luke. I think that goes up to London one. Um, with, with the game being so fast and so many injuries, and it's not like it was 15 years ago. I I don't know why they still only have three subs. Um, I've never asked a question. I've never discussed it significantly um but for a club that runs one team like us if we have 22 players who are available and the fact that i can only play three is one of the main reasons we'll lose players yeah no i completely agree with that i think it goes up to um i think it goes up uh to london prem actually or the old national three um that you can yeah you can (laughs) pretty much a semi-pro league and and you've got you know you've got three subs on the bench yeah, and I, it baffles me. What what do you pick? What do you pick? You've got to pick a front row. So therefore, if you've got an absolute quality loose head and tight head, and one player who can play both, 
well, you're going to take the one who can play both and he might not be as good as the other two. So therefore, you're diminishing your team by A, not playing the best players and two, having less subs. Um, and then how many backs do you pick? Do you pick back? Well, I, I, I don't understand why it's still like that. Um, um, and I think it needs to be changed, fundamentally changed. Um, I think they did it before to keep other... I think before they kept it so they can keep a number of second and third and fourth teams available. So therefore, teams wouldn't absolutely flood uh, their first team. Yeah. Uh, and also try and keep a level of consistency. So, you know, if they can only have three players and they're not bringing in sort of five or six second players who maybe aren't just that close enough to play first, I am speculating. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't understand the rationale of just three players in in 2020. Yeah. Mark, would you, how, how do you see it? Yeah, it's, it's going on the point. I, I can see what... Um... Where Lee's saying, obviously, and and sorry, did it so that he didn't want to flood flood other teams. Um, so you, then you lose the second thirds because you still see that happen now. Where on a, on a Monday you think you're playing um, a twos team, and by the time you get there, you're not, or a twos or threes team. But by the time you get there, you're not because there's been quite a few injuries in first, and some other people have moved around and so forth. But I, with the point you made about only having three subs, it would, yeah, it's. It's ridiculous to a certain extent because you're just going to get guys who are sitting on the sidelines every weekend, knowing that they might not make it, or they. And then that's where you start to see people lose passion for the game because they're just not yeah. getting the game time. You can go to as many socials as you like and train as much as you like, but you do want to play rugby at the same time. Even so, if you're not even getting ten minutes at the end, what do you become? What captain of the bindus they call it, don't they? Or <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. I think I think. Think you're right like i mean uh, that you you've got that argument of that there are some clubs who will go actually three subs is good so it means we get to put a second team out every week yeah or it might be that actually you know three subs is good so we can actually fulfill all three fixtures that we have on the weekend so our third team don't don't drop any players etc um but on the flip side you're right the amount of injuries that now occur in the game the speed of impacts, the you know the concussions, everything all like that. Three players doesn't cut it, and I've been involved. I can say, I reckon I've been involved in at least twenty games over the past maybe three seasons, where there's been some sort of front row kerfuffle, where a front row's gone down, and the opposition team either because of Surrey's new rules, if you don't need to have a front row replacement on the bench that, you know, they just drop a player and there's too many rules, too many variations of what a game of rugby looks like. Um, I'll give you, give you a prime example. So um, a few, a few years ago, Cranley were sitting, I think they were, th we were third in the league uh, playing old Halibarians who were second in the league. Now we went up there. Um, we were, I think off the top of my head, I, can't remember exactly, but I think we were something like 14-0 up, 14-5 up, and our scrum was annihilating their scrum. Like, a penalty every scrum. Um, we were playing on the front foot. Every time their back's got the ball, playing off the back foot. It's part of rugby, isn't it? If you have a dominant yeah. set forwards, that's how you play the game. If you've got, you know, like you said it yourself, you guys have got a dominant set of forwards, big set of forwards, and that's your key area. So you're yeah. going to play to your strengths. Cranley very much the same. So then when their front row just takes a knee and goes off because they're, you know, the scrums are, are going backwards at a rate of knots and they have, don't have a front row replacement, so they have to drop a player, uncontested scrums, but then it allows their backs to then play off the front foot. Yeah, and their back row gets to bind on. Exactly, which changes the dynamics of the whole game. Yeah. And like, not saying that that was the reason why we lost that game, but it was a major factor into why we lost that game. I think we only lost narrowly, but it's things like that, which three subs doesn't help. Whereas if you no, take no. five subs with two or three, you know, two front row replacements, we, we wouldn't be having these issues. Clubs wouldn't be having these, these faffs every week when it comes to, are oh, you uncontested scrums, contested scrums. He can't play there. He's only played there once. Like it stops that from happening. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th I think that they should just change it to five players, um, see how it goes. 
Therefore, you've got a couple of front row, you've got a back row, back for, um, a half back and a back, or whatever you want to do, um, yeah. and just see how it goes. Um, if their argument is, oh, you know, you don't, you can't have seven or eight players because um, it impacts lower teams, and fine, but I just don't think free works. Free just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I think the simple solution is increase it by increase it to five, cover all your bases, and then go with it and see how you get on. And if you've only got three. You've only got three. Exactly. So that, that was my point, what I was going to say. I was going to say, so, you know, like now you play teams and they rock up and they've got one sub. And yeah. you're like, right, okay, well, you've got one sub, but you've brought a sub along. It's the same. You can have a maximum of five. So for a mm -hmm. team that runs two teams, three teams, if you can pack that five out, brilliant. If you can't, because either the second team doesn't have a front row or vice versa, or the thirds can't fulfill a team and you only bring three subs, so be it. But if you yeah. increase it to five, it will start giving, I think, a more more of a rounded sort of competition, especially around scrum time. Um, so that's me with my forward head on anyway. No, yeah. I'm a back, and I hate when there's uncontested scrums. I think it's pointless. I, well, I don't think it's pointless. I get why you do it for the safety if you don't have a replacement front row. But it's so it's so boring. Like you say, you, you can be winning a game. We've been in games as well, Lee and I, where you're winning – we're dominating. They then get an injured player. Yeah, I've seen so many of those games. And then there's just uncontested scrum. It, union is there for the scrums as well. That's why we play it for that aspect of the game. Otherwise, you'd want to play a no, touch rugby or league, wouldn't you? It's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. It's I a bit, it's sometimes, you know, again, because there's only three players, sometimes front row do gets injured, but it's a bitter pill to swallow when you're competing against a team and you've got a positive pack with a scrum. And something happens and you lose the game whether it's whether they've pulled a fast one or whether um, it's legitimate either both happen it happens we we see it and, and experience it when you know deep down they've cheated it's a bit of a swallow mm. and it loses massive respect to the team you're playing against and, and well we'd never do that i think it happens i i mean from my experience higher up the leagues i i wouldn't say i've sort of seen it around london two london one but especially in the Surrey leagues with, and I, I think it might be quite good for me to get an old boys team on, on here because yeah. in yeah. old boy teams, I think the past three years, I think apart from Kingston, us, and off the top of my head, I, I think that's it. All the other teams are all old boy teams that seem to be the ones that drop front row, left, right and centre and cause us, <laughs> cause us the most, the most issues when it, when it comes to a, comes to the scrum time anyway yeah. but yeah i completely completely agree i think um i think they need to look at it and and maybe change it you can't have an international team going right these are eight nine what is it eight game changes but then you go down to grassroots level uh you can only have three you know but you've got you've got london leagues which who pay players so although it is an amateur game they they're they're using that money to live it's part of their well-being, part of the money that they earn to feed a family, to have a, a quality of life, etc. So they're using that. So I think the problem is when it, although it is amateur, if you're paying players, it it sort of becomes a bit professional. Not quotes professional, i.e., you're doing it nothing else, but you're yeah. getting paid for it. That's it. So I think it becomes a bit more important than if it's just, you know, the amateur side, and then you're just playing it for fun. Yeah. No, wholeheartedly agree. So would you say, so going back to sort of whether Lightwater are the right place and whether the league structure is right for you at the moment, would you say it is? Do you go first, Mark? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's 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 the best that I've seen. It. Like back, back when we started, we were in a league. Well, not when we started, sorry. When I started back 11 years ago, 10 years ago, it was too competitive for us. It just wasn't, and it, it lost that factor. I think this league we've had up and down days with it some yeah. years on great when every team we're going to go play it's their second team or their third team or if it's their first they're a similar level to us we've then had some seasons you know where get like all teams games are being cried off in the week because yeah like what i mentioned earlier there's been injuries in the first team so their second team have been dissolved into the first that's where it can get a bit um of a, of a hard league to play in because you set yourself as a one one club team you're ready for the weekend and then suddenly the game's cancelled but that's maybe not that club's priority obviously their priority is the first team so it's had its up and up and downs i think definitely but it's yeah, been a lot 
I think um, one of the things Surrey did, the Merits did this year, which I think was a good idea, was if you're losing by 50 points, you can, they, they, you can the ref will decide if the game is cancelled. Yeah. Um, I believe that's a new thing this year. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's quite a good idea. Um, because obviously, you know, as, as Mark mentioned, sometimes you play, the team fluctuate. It's it's life. Um, so, you know, if if they've got that and say, like, okay, you know, we play 50 minutes of white the floor, then I think that's quite a good thing. It, then it keeps it, it's still a bit of obviously a, a tonking, but it's not going to be a hundred pointer. Um, I think the the other challenge um, with the Surrey leagues and people like Walter agree with this. I I don't. Is you turn up if you got you play ten aside or eleven aside. Um, yeah. I think um, for me, I think people would rather play fifteen aside um, than not at all. And I'm happy to be proven wrong on this. And people have different opinions. Um, I understand why they're doing it. I understand it's about keeping the game going. Um, but if you've driven to Warlingham, for example, for us, and to play ten aside for you know for thirty minutes, is that really worth doing? Considering it's going to take an hour and a half to get there. Yeah, um, and I'm happy. And, and it's it's a diff- it is, I, I I get it. It is a very difficult one. Um, one of the things that I know we've even done with Cranley and, and some other clubs is if a team's struggling, we WhatsApp each other and just get a Barbarians team. So say for example. Uh, we're playing Farnham threes, and we say to Farnham, "Look, guys, we've only got about nine players. How many of you got Farnham really successful at the moment? Oh, we've got about a million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're doing really well. <laughs> a fair play to them. And you know, we say, okay, we'll we'll see how the other teams are doing. And if you're playing Chobham Force, for example, we can say, look, okay, guys, we're playing Farnham. Let's have a Barbarians team. Let's get twenty players down there, have a game. Much more coordination, harder to do. T- doesn't." tie in very much with the league structure I appreciated, but it's 15 on 15. And yeah. and I think that's what pe- people, for me, was, would, would, is rather do. I appreciate it's harder work, and I understand what Surrey trying to do to get playing 10 aside, but, you know, you, if you're playing a long way, even Surrey leagues, the other side, getting the other side of Surrey can take an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Um, you just don't want to do it. I, I, if, if you know you've only got 10 players, they've got 15, and they're going to play 11 aside, you either try and mix it up, which is great, but some clubs don't want to do that. Some quite, clubs, it can be quite deflating. Yeah, I yeah and it, that's a difficult one. Whereas I think the other thing we talked about, Luke, about playing five subs is very easy to fix. You know, three, just give them five subs instead of three. This is harder, and I don't think there's a quick fix for this. And it is just a challenge with players being available. We have 50 players at our disposal comfortably, and we could have 25, we can have eight. Yeah. There's no quick fix to that. It, it's difficult. It's very difficult. And it is, I completely agree, Luke. It's very deflating. And I don't know. Oh, have we lost him? Oh, I think we lost, <laughs> I think we lost him. Let's, just, yeah, let's go back to what do you, how do you see it, Mark, like with, with sort of your, your side of it? Yeah, I guess from a player, it's weird because you've got two aspects there. You've got Lee with his coach head on, and then you've got me from a player's aspect. And, to be honest, rugby is what you look forward to in the week at the weekend during the winter months when you're, you've you got your five-day week at work. You're like, I can't wait to play rugby on Saturday. If you're then finding out that oh, on, a, on a Friday the game's not on or do you go there knowing that you've got – because to be honest with you, there, there'd be a few of us players that will know on a Saturday we told the lads we've got a team and it might only be 14, knowing that we'll get a couple the night before and it'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, but then you're not going – the problem is you're not mentally going into the game right. You never are because you just know you're, you're a few players behind. You might be thinking, oh, our star players are not here this week. But at the same time, you're thinking, I do want a game of rugby. I do want – that's what I've given my Saturday up. I do want something. And then it's them working with the opposition to see if there is something where you can borrow a couple of their players or if they're happy to go down to a certain number. But it's really just – yeah, it's wanting, it's wanting to – to play that that's some that some of the guys i know in our team will just go i don't care how many they are i just want a game of rugby you're then going to get other guys in the team who are going to have a paddy on saturday going oh we haven't got 15 we may as well go home you've got those two mix of players yeah. um and that's where it's yeah no, it's, no that's where it sort of becomes comes quite difficult in if you play with 10 you're gonna have half that committed half might be like oh stuff this don't really want to yeah. don't really want to be here Yeah, yeah. That, and, yeah, and that's they're totally sorry, I lost you the chat. Apologies. Um, and, and that's the balance of a club, you know. It, as Mark said, it's it's somebody you just have to manage, and I don't think it's a quick fix. Yeah, okay. 
So, so at the moment you'd say, yeah, right, you guys are at the right level, but obviously with your ambition of moving out, maybe back into the into the first team league, sort of in the next five six years, um, obviously for now you guys are in, in the right place and everything's moving forward, moving forward in the right. Yeah, totally agree. I think if they change the number of subs, that will entice us a bit more to go into the Surrey, back into the Surrey leagues. Until yeah. then, it's just it's just not suitable for us. I don't think. It's not feasible. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, right. So um, moving on, next question. Um, so obviously with Camberley, Chobham, Bracknell, um, they're, they're probably your three biggest one, ones around the area. Um, how does Lightwater as a rugby club sort of fit into the community? So l- without a cult side, without a mini section, how... How does, as a rugby club, how does it fit into the community? How how would you see it sort of that as a question? I guess from like a, a player's recruitment side, it's always been a fact that we fundamentally, I know this is how lots of clubs get people, but it has been through friends of friends. It's been someone's joint. They've absolutely loved the club, the way we play, the way we socialize with each other. They then tell two of their mates and they come along. That's that's one way of we've been in the area where we are. People sort of know if they want to play a lot higher level of rugby, there's there's the other teams which I probably know more about if we're if we're honest. They probably know more about like say Farnham, Camberley, Chobham, because you, you can visually see the success. But if they're thinking, all oh, my mates told me about this club, it's really good. They play really competitive rugby want to get back into it and I like socialising side. I've just moved to the area. I don't really know many people. I'm new to the community. I'm going to try that. That's That's been a big part of what we do and how in that area where we are, the like you say, the community, it's how do we attract those players? That's That's been part A, should we say, and then part B, we've just upped social media an awful lot and working with, um, like you say, uh, local pubs in the area and having large socials that draw more people in i mean through facebook i've always when i took it on it was always something that i tried to look at it thinking as a player i knew if i if i lived in the area or if i moved to the area i'm going to know of the competitive teams so when when we do a lot of the social media stuff it's to try and get out them the message of being a social team so rather than just put some pictures of us playing it's more of us having fun having a laugh sitting there thinking oh i, I like this team they just seem to you know get on with each other we do it every time we go on tour we do a tour video now and it's just us basically on four days getting pissed and having a laugh <laughs> have um, you seen the tour video luke no i will um i will i'll have a, have a little look and i'll um is it have you got it out on where is it facebook youtube it's on facebook yeah, yeah. whilst we're chatting i'm just going to play the music that starts it and then let you think about your imagination what to expect from it so uh keep okay. chatting and uh, for a couple of minutes i'll get it up and running yeah, well, so I'll drop. I'll drop the link in. So with the yeah, video, yeah. when I put this out on Instagram and Facebook, I'll um I'll drop the the link in to the to the video so people yeah, can yeah. watch. So I think it's always been a good part. So when people join, they're like, "Oh, I sat at home. I wanted to get back into rugby," and I was thinking, "I'm never going to go play really high level rugby." But I, you guys are perfect because you popped up as an advertisement saying, "Want to get back into some social level rugby, a competitive game? Come yeah. and play." water and then we found a lot of that and then we've done stupid we had like an alex good summer social last year which was really successful <laughs> we wore full kits and bum bags and we do one wine and cheese so that in, in the community it's, it's about trying to get friends of friends involved it's always been a thing that when someone joins i tried to i'm trying to think of every player on our books it would have been either through social media or a friend i can't really yeah. think of any other way that join that's mainly what they would have done yeah, I, th- I think um, word of mouth originally, and and as Mark mentioned, since he's put more emphasis in the social side and Facebook and utilising a lot more, that has been definitely successful. I mean, I think we've had a couple of players from the just tour videos alone, haven't we, Mark? Or yeah. we've had some interest, haven't we? Yeah. Quite funny when you think it's not the best video in the world, but it's just a load of guys getting drunk on a beach. But, <laughs> but it's just brilliant. That's uh, what you talk yeah, we do now. I mean, again, I think I think tours a testament to the success of a club. We didn't tour for ages, and we we had a sporadic. I mean, I went to Amsterdam. I think it was nine of us many moons ago. We did uh, another tour, and then we didn't tour for ages. And then, um, correct from wrong, market was you, Stewie, and um, James Saunders. Said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna tour, we're gonna tour again, and we yeah. did one. 
Um, I think we had Rimini, which I think was about 13. Yeah, so Rimini, Italy, there was about 15 of us, not many. Then we went to Barcelona, we had about 25. Then we went to Portugal last year, there was about 29, 30 of us. And then we were meant to be going, obviously, back to Portugal again this year in May. But unfortunately, obviously, with what's going on, we haven't. But I'm sure we'll be getting back on the plane as soon as we can. And that was 32 people. So 32 people wanted the tour. So um, that's that's really good. I think tour, tours are a tradition, a rugby tradition that should never be lost. Clubs yeah. need the tour. And I think I think if you're, you're a club that doesn't tour or there's no no real sort of emphasis to do anything like that, I think they've lost their lost their value of rugby because touring, I think, is is key. Yeah, and the Portugal one was, was from, I didn't go, but the guys said it was one of the best ones we did. We had a very competitive tournament. It was very well organised. It was at the beach. Our guys like, our guys like basically wearing briefs and sitting by the pool or going to the beach. It seems to be a trend. Um, but yeah, every, everyone to a man loved it. Um, so it's got more like necking pints of beer in your budgie smugglers. You know, that's that's what we were working <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but no, I, um, yeah, we, we don't do a lot of other type of social. We don't advertise in papers yeah. uh, or things like that. Um, Simply because we just don't have the funds. Uh, we're not. We, we have enough money that if we had no money coming in for a year, we could survive. After that, we'd have to fold. Apart from that, everything goes back to the the players, um, the you know socials, merchandise, whatever. It all goes back. So, you know, we don't do a lot of that. We the gear we have, we keep for ages. Uh, we don't have a lot of tackle bags. I'm not. We've actually just got some new tackle bags actually, but um, we don't tend to use tackle bags very much in training. Um, so we, we have enough that we, we need to, to have good sessions and, enjoy, and and keep us ticking over. So um, that might be something we could improve on, Luke, and, and do something a bit differently to promote ourselves more in the, the, the closer community yeah. from the rugby side. Um, but, yeah, it, I think, correct me wrong, Mark, I just think at the moment we just haven't needed to do it. No, I think, yeah, like we say, we've, we've pushed a lot more on getting friends involved. Social media has been a big part because – Instagram and Facebook is where most people see stuff nowadays. Yes, absolutely. You know, back in the day, the club, we used to put posters in toilets and that, you know, and then on lampposts and stuff, which, was, you know, still works. But I think that you've got to look at things nowadays and that is the, the most common way to go. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely the main way we recruit players. Yeah. Uh, nice one. Okay. Have you got the music or shall I just put the link go on? Yeah, go on. Go for it. I don't have a shim. I don't know what you're picturing, Luke, when you're hearing this, but um, <laughs> it's not what you think it is. <laughs> I think it's gonna, yeah. I'll let people. I'll put the link up, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll people can go and uh, go and have a look for themselves, eh? They can make their own lines up. That's it. They can so, make their lines up. That that started, Luke, with a guy, an Australian guy, who used to play for us about twelve years ago, and moved back to Australia, and. He did a video for the season and we we sort of knew he was doing it, but it was amazing. And then Mark started doing it again. Is this the third time we've done it, Mark? Yeah, but that yeah, that was the third one. Yeah. Yeah, absolute quality. Absolute quality. So um yeah, it's it's been good. It's been good. Right. Um okay, let's uh, a little round up. Okay, so you sort yeah. of a little bit of history of what light water are and where you're at at the moment, obviously. Uh, sitting in the sort of merit leagues, uh, the Surrey, Surrey tables at the moment, obviously with the ambition to, to move out, obviously in the next five, six years, depending on what sort of things are put in place. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're, you're very much a social club, very much um, focus on, on that side of, of the game, which is helping with your recruitment. Um, and like you say, you haven't really needed to do much recruitment over the past year, maybe two years, because you know, you, you, you're relying on friends of friends and you've got that network there already and just the social aspect is keeping people there. Um, so last thing really for me is say, chaps, thanks for joining me. Uh, it's been it's been really good for me to understand what, what it's like for sort of like a, t a club that runs one team um, and sort of how you go about keeping players, um, what your ambitions are really moving forward. Um, so, yeah, again, guys, thank you. Uh, 
one thing I, one thing I like to do at the end is we just sort of like a bit of an idol 15. So I just sort of ask all the guests sort of say Ooh. who their idol was sort of growing up. And then we're going to sort of try and create a, when I've got 15 players, we'll sort of come up with a, an idol 15, but who were your idols for rugby idols growing up? Oh, good, good. I've got two. I, obviously, everyone's probably going to say Johnny Wilkinson, so I'm not going to say him. Uh, <laughs> it'll be annoying to say two. Will Greenwood and Jason Robinson. Will Greenwood, just because when you look at the guy, he was amazing, but he wasn't the biggest guy in the world. When you look at the modern 12 nowadays, he's a tall guy, but he wasn't the biggest guy, but how he could just control a pitch. And when yeah. he played, he was such a so good at that and then just jason robinson for his feet you say that though i was a i was a massive fan of jason robinson you'd think i would be fast playing on the wing but <laughs> my nickname is my, i'm the lightwater's surrey's slowest winger um, <laughs> but my, is, uh, robinson just when you saw what he did in the world cup in 2003 that's yeah he was the guy yeah. to look at. um I, I think for me um martin johnson read his book just an animal the gall of the man when we played ireland to go on the other side and make Ireland walk the other side was just quality. Um, and I think, I think Jonah Loma, because he just changed the game. He, Jonah Loma, I think, is just a pioneer, really, wasn't he? He was, he was the one that just changed the whole dynamics of, of what a winger slash back could be. Yeah, he, he sorely missed. And, and one, how one man can have such an influence on a game. And although I think the game's changed a bit more, you know, he's still got some massive mutants, but... I think people are realising, you know, skills coming back into play and defences are so good now. Um, yeah, I think he, the way he played, changed the game was just unbelievable. And he sorely missed, definitely. Fantastic. Right. Again, chaps, thanks very much. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Cheers. Um, so, guys, if, you, if you've had a listen, obviously go go share the Instagram page, go share the Facebook page, um, the Rugby Hub podcast. And... Episode four um, next week will be featuring um, a former Yorkshire Carnegie, Ealing and Isha rugby player, Liam Edwards, who's currently out in Hong Kong playing. Um, and we're going to chat to him all things sort of semi-pro, all things about chasing the dream and how much hard work and dedication it takes to really try and make it. So, guys, thanks for listening again and hopefully see you in episode four. Thanks.